Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to Modern Day Legends, the show where we talk to modern day legends. Today we have Shaymat Salman, who is a licensed clinical social worker. Saqwa, how are you doing, man? Alaikum assalam, I'm happy to be here. Okay, first I want to ask uh, about your journey. Like, what made you get to this profession? Uh, I was a uh, second year in university. I had just finished my AA degree in, mm-hmm. um, in just general practice uh, or just general and I really did not know what I wanted to do and like many people I was searching and I I started talking to different people and I I met a friend who who said why don't you look into social work I didn't even know what that meant but she knew that I enjoyed working with people who um, were disadvantaged and vulnerable pe- uh, populations, and um, I enjoyed working for social justice. And so when I researched social work, it was a perfect fit. And alhamdulillah, I've been doing it ever since. Uh, I want to ask you, um, what do social workers do anyway? Okay, so social work is a pretty broad term. Um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and Mm -hmm. licensed clinical social workers have at least a master's degree in social work. Some people have um, PhDs in social work. And beyond that, um, they have to get um, intensive training in human behavior Mm -hmm. and counseling, and then there's a, you have to take the state boards. Mm -hmm. So it's an intensive training, um, but we work with mainly vulnerable populations. We work with individuals who have disabilities, individuals who have mental health, substance abuse, um, a lot of social problems, and we help them to live their life the best that they can. Mm -hmm. So we mix social services with uh, mental health counseling. Um, A psychologist mainly works with the mental health of an individual, whereas a social worker is more of a holistic um, approach to helping people solve their problems. Can you explain like holistic, like the environment, what his work-life balance and stuff like that? Um, It could be work-life balance, but Um, Say, for example, you have an individual who has a mental health problem, Uh a severe mental health problem. And because of that severe mental health problem, they're not able to work. Well, they're not able to work, they're not going to be paying their rent. Uh And one problem leads into another. So we help them with the mental health problem by um, doing individual counseling. And then we connect them to resources that might be state, federal, or community resources to help them find work or train um, for a job that they are able to do. So we build their mental health, make them healthy, and then we link them to resources that can um, enhance their well-being. Okay. Um, What characteristics do you need to be successful at this job? Um, You know... The job really needs an individual who likes dealing with human beings, mm-hmm. someone who's very social and, and outgoing and enjoys human contact. Mm-hmm. Also, um, um, an individual who's empathetic would be very good, someone who's extremely non-judgmental because you will be um, working with a lot of individuals who are in crisis. So having a non-judgmental 
uh, outlook on life is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some of the characteristics that I think that you need before you come on. Now, in social work classes, they try to teach people to be empathetic. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that if it's not naturally inside you, then when you work with clients, they're going to quickly find out and tell you <laughs> that you are not the person for them and you mm-hmm. don't want, they don't want to work with you. Mm-hmm. They, will, they will sense the person that they're working with. And if you come across as empathetic and caring and willing to assist them in their social, social crisis, yeah. they will be more likely to work with you and open up and it's much easier to build rapport. Okay. Um, how do you disarm tension between people? Between people. So social workers not only work with individuals, but mm-hmm. we also work with families and groups and communities. Um, so social workers, that's one thing I love about being a social worker is it's never boring. Mm-hmm. You can work in several different environments like in hospitals or with chronically ill individuals like who have cancer or dialysis or you can work in a school system. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we work with more than one individual um, and in order to diffuse tension, you mean between the individual or between the therapist and their client? Um, Between the client, like when the client's angry if you're trying to, or maybe in a family situation, just in general, like how do you, if someone's angry, um, how do you calm them down? Okay, so um, I deal with a lot of individuals who have traumas in their Mm -hmm. history. So one thing we have to remember is when someone is angry, there is a thought process behind that anger and we have to figure out what the bigger picture is. Mm -hmm. The best thing to do if I were to give you steps is um, stay calm, um, use a very calm voice, but stay in control, Mm -hmm. Um, be empathetic. Um, One thing you can do is remove the individual from the situation. For example, we've had a couple of patients come into the hospital where I work who were extremely angry because Mm -hmm. maybe they couldn't get an appointment with their provider. So the first thing I usually do is listen to them. And Mm -hmm. I I always keep a little bit of a distance because if you sometimes if you get in their personal space, Mm -hmm. that upsets people. You don't know who you're talking to. So um, to diffuse the situation, sometimes I take them into a private room. So it's not, you know, a big show in in front of other patients. So Mm -hmm. after listening to them, you take them to a private room, you stay calm, you reflect what they're telling you. If they say, I, you know, I'm, I'm so angry, I've called this clinic 10 times and they gave me an appointment for June. I need to see my doctor today. Well, mm-hmm. what are they telling you? They're telling you they're in crisis now. Mm-hmm. They have a situation they need to talk about now. Yeah. And, you know, six months from now or whenever the appointment is, that's not going to work for them. So you reflect what they're telling you and come up with a solution. Okay. And work with um, the, the office staff to help accommodate the individual because it's mm-hmm. a valid concern. 
Oh, that was like a good idea. Um, how do you not get emotionally invested when people constantly complain? Like, how do you, you know, not feel pain when people complain to you or scream at you? Okay. <laughs> I actually, you know, a lot of social work is very rewarding. Um, I have a lot of people who tell me, how do you listen to people's problems all day? Uh -huh. I can't do this. But for me, it's extremely rewarding because I, it depends on the way you look at it. I look at it as, you know, there are social problems out there. People uh -huh. are having um, problems with addiction, domestic violence, abuse, um, mental health, bipolar disorder, depression. Um, people who go to war and come back traumatized, people who move to a different country and are immigrants and don't know how to navigate the system. All of that could be very overwhelming and draining. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it as I'm being part of the solution and I'm going to help this individual to become or empower them, social workers don't do things for their clients. We do things for them but we help to empower them. We give them the skills um, that they need to um, help themselves. Okay. So I look at it as a way of um, empowering cl clients and also it's, it's important to know when you've heard enough. Mm -hmm. um, because if you're seeing six patients a day and each one is filled with trauma and you're listening to this all day long, it can help you it, it can burn you out so you have to take care of yourself you have to take breaks you have to know yourself what you're capable of working with what your strengths are what your weaknesses and it helps to have maybe a colleague that you can talk to mm -hmm. um, so that you could um, be in your own m best mental health because yeah. if you're overwhelmed by other people's problems you're not going to be able to help them yeah now with practice being a social worker i mean when i was a new social worker uh, honestly speaking and and i was first married i would come home every night and cry to my husband and say i i don't know what i'm doing you know i was working with dialysis patients and i told them they're all gonna die anyway i'm not making any difference but you learn that you are not there to change the world. You are there to help them build skills so that they can help themselves with their problem. And it's their problem. It's mm -hmm. not your problem. Um, and with practice um, and age and wisdom, you learn that very quickly. Okay. And how do you show people their problems without hurting them? Okay, so a big idea in social work practice is to treat everybody with respect and dignity. Mm -hmm. So any client that comes in to me, the first thing we tell them is that everything they say is confidential. We don't talk to other people about their issues. Um, and there are several different techniques that we could use to help people realize or fix their own problems. Mm -hmm. um, things like cognitive behavioral therapy or motivational interviewing. And that is one thing that could be used in 
in any setting, motivational interviewing. It's basically asking the patient open-ended general questions so that they could start verbalizing what they're thinking and going through. And then it kind of uh, helps them have some insight on what, why they're doing certain things. Mm -hmm. So if someone were to come to my office, I might say, tell me about what's going on with you. And that's a general open-ended question. And then I will start pinpointing if they have a, a, an addiction problem, a drinking alcohol or internet use or gambling, mm -hmm. I might say, well, ha tell me how this is affecting your life. And when you ask that kind of question, they begin to look at their behavior and how that behavior is affecting their life and they make their own conclusions. But you're merely guiding the process. Okay, so you make them admit their own problems and not exactly. you tell them. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's, that's the first step to any problem mm -hmm. is um, you're not going to be able to work on a problem unless you admit that there's an issue. And no. so that, that's the first step in any type of counseling is what are you here for? You know, mm -hmm. what is the issue you'd like to work on? And then you come up with, with goals um, that they want. And if it's a goal that they come up with, they're more likely to work on it. We're not telling them this is what you need to do. They're coming up with goals on how to improve their life, and we're helping them navigate the resources and skills to do that. Okay. Um, what are some simple techniques we can use to make us happier on a personal level and a family level? Say that again. Uh, what's some simple techniques we can use to make us uh, personally happy with okay. our life? And you know. That's a big, 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 big question. And um, right now there's something called positive psychology where we, and that's their goal is mm -hmm. just being happy in life. Um, there's been many studies that are done on happiness, and the studies basically show that everybody has a baseline of happiness. It's in our genetics, um, and many people, you know, you might get a million dollars, your happiness is going to spike just a little bit, and then when you get used to being a millionaire, you go back to your baseline. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to be that much happier. But what really makes people happy from these studies is things like um, having the personality of being grateful, mm -hmm. being appreciative, to say alhamdulillah for what you have and to truly believe it. Um, also, um, it's been shown through numerous research that giving back to the community, helping someone who's in a situation that um, you can help them with or is in a disadvantaged situation, um, acts like that can help people truly become happier and stay happier. Mm -hmm. That will increase the baseline. Okay. Makes sense. Um, so practically you're saying just if you be grateful for what you have and also make sure to give as much as we can, mm -hmm. practically the whole summary, right? Exactly. Okay. Uh, there's other things that could make you happy too. And it's um, 
It's in a lot of studies, but it's also in Islam, like okay. meditation. SubhanAllah, Allah tells us to pray five times a day. And what, when I was going through um, social work school, everything they mentioned, I felt had some kind of link to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was mm -hmm. is prescribing for, for us. You know, yeah. meditation, gratefulness. Um, helping others who are less fortunate. SubhanAllah, these are things that Allah tells us to do in the Quran, but at the same time, it's helping us. You know, yeah. we, we give charity, but it, it, it's helping the other person, but we're doing it. It mainly helps us to become better people. Yeah. Okay, um, one other question. Um, are there any techniques to help get people over addiction? Okay, so addiction is a huge subject. And in fact, clinical social workers can sometimes just work in that field of addiction. Mm -hmm. um, there are many different types of addiction. There's uh, internet addiction, mm -hmm. there's alcohol addiction, gambling, all kinds of addiction. Mm -hmm. um, the internet addiction, of course, with the onset of the internet, that's the newest one. So there yeah. isn't as much research on it. But I would, if it were me, if someone was coming to me who had an internet addiction, I would treat it just like any other addiction. Um, and I would basically do a psychosocial evaluation, find out their history, find out how their brain is wired, mm -hmm. um, mental health um, issues, and their social environment, and then I would go from there. Um, and with many addiction, you need professional, ongoing psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. So um, in, in, in particular with internet addiction, my recommendation would be to limit access. So if someone okay. has an alcohol addiction, I would tell them, get all the alcohol out of your house. I mean, mm -hmm. it's common sense. Yeah. So with the internet addiction, I would say, you know, maybe what could you do to make it not as accessible to you? You know, if you're sleeping with your phone right next to your head, maybe move it to another room. If there's a site that you're clicking on every five minutes, maybe erase that site from your computer or your iPhone. Mm -hmm. um, so limiting access is, is huge in that. And then if it's uh, truly affecting your everyday life, where you're spending more time on the computer than with family, you're not eating, you're not sleeping because you're on the iPad or your phone all night, you're not mm -hmm. doing your homework, then perhaps it would be time to get um, professional counseling for that. Yeah, and I also heard that, I read actually, uh, that um, social media addiction is similar to the brain just like as in gambling that exactly. every time you see something that you like you get a burst of dopamine exactly. just like in gambling what do you do win but then you just keep on going that's true that's yeah. true uh, what are reason uh what are reasons people don't live to their full potential what are reasons people don't fill to their that's a really good question um could be many reasons, I would imagine. Um, mm -hmm. Mental health problems sometimes is a big barrier to people living their uh, full potential. Um, you know, if someone is clinically depressed and is not able to get out of bed, um, the general population will look at them and say, they're bums, they're lazy, you mm -hmm. know, they just don't want to do anything with their life. 
And if you look at them, it's a medical problem. The neurotransmitters in the brain aren't working as well as they should be, and they're not communicating, which keeps them incapacitated, unable to to do what they would like to do. So that mm -hmm. could be a reason. Um, just one reason. There, there are probably many other reasons. But like, is there something that we can do to our, in our daily lives that can increase our full potential? Um, if, if you're talking about just a regular individual, I would say maybe having a role model. Okay. Finding out what you really like. Finding someone who you would like to be with. Think mm. about what kind of life you would like to live and look at that person and see what they do. Okay. And try to um, emulate the same kind of behaviors. Okay. Um, and also, one last question. Mm -hmm. So, how do we balance of a good parenting? Like, when should we be helicopter parents? When should we pull <laughs> back? You know. Okay, you're talking to a parent here. You know that. Really? I mean, you work. Don't you? Don't you work with families? I actually, I work mainly with individuals, but clinical social workers do work with families. And like I said before, you can choose the population that you work with. Okay. So parenting is a very, very hot topic. Mm -hmm. And there are so many schools of parenting. It depends on who you talk to and what book you read, what the advice is. Mm -hmm. um, my, I mean, general advice about parenting, it really depends on what the age group of the child is. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're not going to treat a toddler the same way as you treat a college student. Yeah or a high school student, you have to really look at their developmental stage. Mm -hmm. um, but generally, the best thing to do is just have a good relationship with your child and not expect them to be someone. Really look at what they're telling you and believe them. Mm -hmm. I know with a lot of Arab and Muslim parents, um, and I experienced this growing up, um, you know, you will be a doctor, you will be a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. Well, Baba, I pass out when I see blood and I, I really do. Sometimes I pass out. So it, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. So listen to your children, believe them, have a good relationship with them, have open communication and be there to advise them. The time when you're being overbearing is I think when a parent's interaction with a child is no longer productive, when it's destructive, when you're yelling at them, hitting them, disrespecting them, that's when it's time to just back off. Okay. Okay. Does uh, that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, uh, okay. So. I'm going to take this moment to uh, ask you if there's any advice you'd like to give to the general public. Um, social work practice is something that is really fulfilling. Um, mm -hmm. I honestly can say, alhamdulillah, every day that I go out and do my job, whether it's in the medical field or when I worked with individuals who had issues with domestic violence, um, I've been blessed to be put in a situation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives me the knowledge to help someone else. So I feel, alhamdulillah, I'm able to give to that. And I feel like I'm doing Allah's work or what 
everybody, every human being should do. And alhamdulillah, it gives me the opportunity to feed my family and get a salary as mm -hmm. well. So my advice to anybody is whatever you decide to do in life, be the best at it. Make sure you enjoy it because if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to be happy. This is yeah. something that you will be doing every single day. Okay. So that's general advice. Thank you for the great advice. Thank you for having me. It was amazing interviewing you.